boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. Don't ask me why, I just had Crash Bandicoot on the mind, that's all. You're listening to the Aaron yeah, Meta Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was worrying, wondering then why has uh, Crash Bandicoot Warped made an appearance, but uh, I suppose it's in keeping with the many shows we've done where there's been a, a game feed to introduce it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, well, you know, it was, it was there, and I just thought, okay, then let's use it. You're listening to the Aaron Meta and Harry Dyer Show. It is the 6th of October of 2015. Uh, I am Aaron Meta, and he is... Harry Dyer. There we go. <laughs> we got there in the end. Uh, hey, Harry, yeah. how you, how's it going? I'm uh, not too bad, matey. Not too bad at all. How's things been with yourself? Um, yeah, it's been great. I mean, obviously, we've had uh, the massive two-hour and 50-minute episode of me going up and down Oxford Street uh, on Sunday. So uh, that was definitely oh, yeah. one for one for the books. And uh, yeah, and uh, uh, since then, it's uh, yeah, it's been pretty pretty quiet to be honest with you. So hey, let's do a show. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, nice to be back again. I know we 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 tried to do a show previously and uh, we had a few technical difficulties. So it's been uh, it's been overdue. Yeah, I, th- I think we needed to do some makeup, didn't we? So uh, I think obviously uh, with uh, some yeah. stuff that's going on. But uh, hey, uh, shout out to Josh actually for uh, uh, that show as well because he added an extra forty minutes onto the show uh, for us to do uh, talk about the splat and things. Because uh, you know, I know the I know the t- TUC demonstration and Tory conference were really important issues, but obviously you know there's uh, a lot of our listeners who are who are also getting the big uh, thing that happened last night, which was the splat. So uh, we had to uh, we had to talk a little bit about that as well. So uh, yeah, but I'm pretty yes, glad we all yes. stuck it in within within three hours. Uh, probably was exhausting yeah. for everybody else, but uh, yeah, imagine trying to put it all together. So you know, just uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah keep, keep that in mind as well. So uh, sure. Um, shall we? I mean, shall we recap on what happened over the weekend and uh, see see yeah. where we go with it? So it's yeah, I mean, it's been a really interesting weekend. Um, a really good weekend, I think, in terms of uh, Manchester's uh, apparent unity, um, and uh, it was really refreshing to go out and see so many people um, marching together. Um, you know, with with something to say, you know, and wanting their voices to be heard, and having all these people together. Uh, certainly, you know, um, I mean, I was talking to one of my friends on Monday morning and, um, their sort of thoughts and attitudes towards, uh, protests is basically, oh, well, you know, what, what the protests accomplish, you know, when people go out on the street and they're marching up and down, what does it actually do? Um, 
and I mean, I sort of, uh, I sort of said, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you've got a government like the one that we've got, do you actually think that they're gonna, you know, give a a flying monkeys about what we think or what we want? But the point is that uh, when you have all of these people coming together, you know, with with you know something to say wanting to raise their voices, wanting their voices to be heard, even if the people who are in charge at the moment refuse to listen. Uh, we are all listening to each other. And I think, if anything, you take away from it this real sense of unity. Uh, that's certainly what I walked away with uh, on Sunday and yesterday as well, because um, I was uh, fortunate enough to go along to see um, the People's Post um, talk that they did at the Manchester Cathedral uh, and they had a few speakers there um, and it was just really great to hear all these people talking so passionately um, and you know and so I don't know just just really really fiery and just I don't know I, I, I walked away uh, I mean, that, that was sort of the first public event that I'd been to in terms of a public political event, because um, in the past, I have tended to sort of keep my head down when it comes to politics, you know, which is something I think we've talked about on the show before is that yeah. the government that we have in at the moment, I think one of the reasons it's got to where it's been has been to push regular people further and further away from politics uh, so that basically you get to a point where you think, well, I can't make a change in this country because it's nothing to do with me. I'm not a politician. I'm not a political person. The politicians handle the politics and we just handle the checkouts at Tesco's or things like that. And I think one thing that I certainly felt was after this weekend uh, and after listening to so many inspirational people that... Actually, no, politics isn't just for the politicians. Politics involves all of us, and we all have to make, you know, we all have to get involved in making the changes in our country. So exactly, exactly. And this is the thing with, I would say, the majority of people in this country, they don't believe they can make a difference. And yet, no. here is a movement that is, has just come up, which says, well, these group of people believe, and a lot of people believe that they can make a difference. So, could will that be the start of people now believing that they can now make a difference? Because, unfortunately, you know, we have an attitude in this country in regards to our electorate, which vote in their own self-interests, which really have to be pushed before they jump. And, you know, is this going to be... My fear is, is with uh, what's happened over the last weekend. So we've had the demonstration. We've had Jeremy Corbyn come in. We've had him come in and aspire to uh, thousands of young people who, and also thousands of old people as well who yeah, wanted to yeah. come here and listen to what this guy had to say because it was something refreshing and new even though it's, some people criticize that it's going back to the politics of old. But yeah. regardless of what it might be, you know, my feeling is is that I don't know whether this is going to be the start of something new or this is going to be a thing that goes on for a couple of months, it kind of goes quiet, and then the next thing we know, Jeremy Corbyn is uh, basically being, once again, criticized from all ends. Not to say that he's not already been already. But 
my I want to know if the thousands of people are gonna be like this over the weekend and over the last couple of days, especially before after the Tory conference ends. Is that energy? Is that um, is that passion that they brought to see to the Conservative conference and that passion that they brought towards Jeremy Corbyn when he turned up? Is that going to continue or is that going to wade away because, you know, they don't want to miss the next season of Game of Thrones or whatever? You know, that, well, that's yeah. my biggest fear about all of this. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the things um, that I was thinking about today, actually, because um, there was a petition online basically to stop Rupert Murdoch getting his hands on the BBC. Um, and, you know, you, I was reading through this um this sort of page of information and then it sort of asked you a few questions and then you could sign this petition, put your email and postcode and stuff and send it off. And, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, one of the things that the BBC is, you know, still holding on to, um, is the fact that as far, as far as I know, I mean, not all of its programs are brilliant, but, as far as I know, that there aren't any sort of um, you know stupid Saturday night competition. Who are we going to vote for? Programs. Uh, there's no programs about uh, what shoes should we buy this month, or you know, oh, look at this celebrity's gone out without their underpants on. You know, they're they're not feeding us um, you know brain shit like a lot of the other channels do, and I think that. Like you say, that the a lot of a lot of the the stuff that distracts people from the real things going on, you know, like the state of the country, um, are a lot of these sort of you know shitty programs, these tacky newspapers and things, just to kind of keep people titillated on a very base level. Whereas actually, we need to think we don't need any of this what we need to do is you know how, you know kind of re-engage with something that we've lost which is wanting to make uh you know the country um you know and even the world a good place for people who are going to be coming after us not just living in the moment you know and don't get me wrong i'm i'm all for you know i'm not one of these people who um who just thinks you know y- your life has to be devoted to what's coming at the end of it you know i would always say live in the moment in terms of you as an individual but i think what i'm getting at is this idea of oh you know just eat you know eat shit watch shit listen to shit you know don't don't think about how we could make things better i think i think the the general thing is that they sort of present it to you as like this is good as it's going to get, so get used to it, you know, and actually... Well, yeah, that's, that's basically what they've been fed it, for the last, uh, you know, couple of years, you know, saying that, you yeah. know, this is what you have to put up with, whether now there is a a feeling and a movement that is now gener- generating momentum is like, no, you don't have to put up with this. Why should we have to yeah. put up with this? It's like, you know, Absolutely. people... Are be- I think uh, when people start opening their minds and start questioning more, I think that's when this starts to... Uh, Starts starts to garner, garner strength, you know. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, um, it, yeah. it is the. I think it's probably going to be the establishment's worst nightmare. You know, the fact that yeah. uh, now there is a guy who is now saying that uh, you know you do not have to accept what is put in front of you. You can ask for better. 
and that mm-hmm. might be a change that is going to happen. You know, let, let me let me say this. You know, I'm a realist on top of uh, you know everything else that I am in life, and that is that I've got to be honest with you. I do not think uh, you know there's gonna, unless there is a massive unless the Conservative Party drop the ball massively over the next mm-hmm. five years, which right now with the way they are at the moment and the way they are in the polls and uh, the way people feel about the country. You know, away from you know Corbyn mania. You know, I just do not think that Jeremy Corbyn at this present time is going to win the general general election in 2020, or possibly even the other elections that come before that. And but the one thing that I think he can do, and you know, let's face it, you know, influential figures in our livelihoods didn't have to become presidents or prime ministers to make changes. You know, it's like was Martin Luther King ever president of the United States? Was uh, you know was uh, Malcolm X ever president of the United States? Was um, any other influential figures uh, because who you know uh, didn't have to potentially become politicians? And you know, Mother Teresa didn't exactly wasn't exactly a politician when she uh, uh, was, was was driving movements with Princess Diana. I mean, it's like you know the um, you know if Jeremy Corbyn could put himself if he pl- if he basically plays his cards right. Could put himself in a put himself in political history, not, not you know, kind of like the way uh, you know, um, oh, what's his name, Ted Heath, was it who we lost recently? Uh, the, yes. uh, the the prime the, the prime minister we never the best prime minister we never had, you know that that could yeah, be yeah. that could be Jeremy Corbyn. He could be the best prime minister we never had, and you know yeah, he could well, make that change, and then that will force the Conservative Party to up its game in regards to uh, wanting to become you know influential. And wanted to, you know, make things better for people, and he would. They would have mm. to sing. They, he would. Say, Jeremy Corbyn could make the Conservative Party dance to his tune without them knowing it, and that's one thing yeah. that he could definitely do in the next couple of years. That is, if he does it right, because there is the, all yeah. the potential. The potential that he could basically fuck it up big time. Let's keep this in mind. Yeah. He's only just, you know, well, how long has he been leader now for the Labour Party for? Less than a month. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But it's uh, it's kind of it's amazing how in this uh, this sort of month and a bit he's you know he's he's not he's not stopped you know he's he's sort of kept moving. I mean, when he came last night, um, you know, I think I think he literally travelled up, did his speaks, and then had to had to go because there was I was kind of hoping that he might have stayed around afterwards and we might have had a chance to sort of meet and greet and what have you but he was literally he came he did his speech to um to the people outside and then to us lot inside because they they filled the cathedral um and then I think they they, they said there was about another seven thousand people outside as well so they set up two bits the bit on the inside the platform outside so that all of the speakers had chance to talk to the people in the cathedral and then pop outside and deliver the speeches again to the people who were, you know, not, who basically didn't get there in time. Uh, it was a free event to get into, um, but it was sort of like a first come first serve. So we were lucky enough to get in and sort of get a seat. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I completely get what you're saying. Like, you know, there are still some people who aren't sure whether he could become the prime minister. But like you say, he doesn't have to become the prime minister in order to, sh- you know, shine the light for people and show them that there are different ways of doing things. Like he said last night, 
you know, I I haven't decided. You know, I I've I was going to come to this event and speak, regardless of whether I became the leader of the Labour Party or not. You know, he booked it way in advance to come up and you know defend the postal workers and defend the Royal Mail and. Uh, yeah, and basically stand up against this sort of mass privatization that's going on. You know, I, I sort of learned a few things last night that I wasn't uh, aware of, you know, and I think that um, there seems to be more people uh, taking an interest in politics now more than anything. Like you say, there's people who are starting to ask questions. There are people who are sort of, you know, questioning the the regime, questioning the system, and uh like you say, the, the guys who are currently in charge, they don't want us to be smart enough to ask questions. That could be one of the reasons why, you know, it's so easy to pass through school now with the grit. I mean, what were they saying last night? That that um, they, they didn't have many nice things to say about Michael Gove, put it like that. And uh, I think the guy is a bit of a, a prune. But, um, yeah, they were saying how he's basically turned schools from, you know, the seat of learning into exam factories and well to be know, fair that, ha- that happened before michael gove i mean you know th- this is something that's been happening since i left school you know the fact is that uh, we have now become so uh, centric towards statistics and towards you know measuring uh, our children rather than uh, you know what a- aspiring them to be something and yeah. you know so you know and people are saying oh well how do you uh, keep an eye on uh, you know um, uh, how do you know that schools are up to standard and stuff like that it's like you know but when you make it so it dominates their entire existence you know it's like when you know you've got uh, kids you know going off with stress because you know they don't they don't know what the what's going to happen when they when they put it in the in, in the exam paper when you've got teachers going you know not being able to be as creative in the classroom and you know yeah, when you've yeah. got uh, you know it's like when basically you've got uh, you know teachers basically saying we know this is boring and we know that this is not going to be useful for you in real life whatsoever but it's going to appear in the exam so we have to teach it how is yeah. that helping our kids yeah exactly exactly and um yeah, like you say, the what was this? There was a story the other week about um, you know there was a survey and it was basically you know almost half the teachers in this country are wanting to quit because of the fact that the job now is you know so terrible that they just feel completely you know demotivated. I mean, I've always said well, some young teachers very... are just using it as a, uh, as, as a as a as a means to an end. So basically, once they once they've done a couple of years of this, they're going to go off and do something else. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's no longer the idea of the full-time, you know, lifelong teacher is is dying, you know, because a yeah. lot of people are going into it now. They want to spend a couple of years, you know, putting up with, uh, you know, the uh, the kid who's, uh, you know, uh, being you know, shouted at by his drunken parents and stuff like that. And, and then just, yeah. uh, you know, once they've got uh, themselves uh, settled, they're, they're leaving out and going to do other things. And uh, you know it's uh, they're not. It's basically there. There are not very many teachers now, who at least the ones that I've talked to, who are basically they're saying that they want to be a teacher for the rest of their lives or the rest of their working mm-hmm. lives. They want to aspire yeah. to be other things. So mm-hmm. you know that, that that's where we're heading into at the moment. And you yeah. know, and it's uh, it saddens me that we have so many. Uh, people now that are so demotivated to basically say, "Well, I couldn't get a job anywhere else, so I had to go into the teaching profession." 
Yeah, well, that that's definitely the case, you know. And like like you say, it it shouldn't be a case of people are going in as sort of like you know a pit stop in their life. You know, I I've always said that it takes a very special kind of person to be a teacher, to be an educator, to be a mentor to other people. Like, you know, the number of times that my mum said to me, oh, you know, why don't you, why don't you go into teaching? You know, you like working with kids. You could teach them acting and stuff like that. But my, my sort of argument is that, yeah, I'm very, you know, I have something that I'm very passionate about. You know, I know a lot about it, but I can't be a teacher. And the reason why is that I don't have the passion for teaching. I don't have the passion for passing on knowledge, which is what a teacher has to be. You know, they have to really want to enrich children, you know, and not just children, you know, children, young people. You have teachers who teach mature students and the you best have to teachers inspire are them. those ones. That, that, that's the yeah, thing exactly. as well. You have to inspire them to basically be uh, immersed into this, into this product, into this, uh, into this thing. I've seen some amazing teachers in my time. You know, uh, when I was, uh, you know, inside the classroom and outside the classroom, and they yeah. are dedicated professionals who want who wanted to do this. You know, a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, this is years ago we're talking about. And not only were they brilliant at the thing that they the the subject matter that they uh, learned themselves and passed on to other people they were also good at inspiring others to be just at that as at that level that they were mm. and you know unfortunately a lot of those a lot of those men and women who had that ability were entering into their like 40s and 50s yeah, and and, and the, the the younger teachers that at least that I saw, uh, just just were you know were they? I mean, I don't want to put down younger teachers because I know I know some of them are also brilliant, but it takes time for them to you know master that craft, and when you have teachers now saying that you know they don't want to be doing this forever, mm. it's like you yeah. know it's like they they they're not gonna get that. And so those children, as a result, are missing out, and that's the reason we end up, you know, now with you know uh, teachers who are trying their best but just cannot, you know, make that click towards their students. And yeah. then on top of that, they have the system, which you know turns them into you know pretty much soulless professional test takers rather than yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And then, then, then we end up late later on. Where, you know, you have that gap where you try and find out who you are in life. And if you don't go to college and if you don't go to uh, university, you know, I went to college and I went to university and I had that space to be able to kind of figure out who I am in life. But for those, pe you know, young people who do not have that choice where basically their parents say, well, unfortunately, because we can't afford to uh, educate you any further, you're going to have to go out into the workplace and get yourself a job or you're going to have to just go out in the world and figure out, you know, uh, with barely any support who you are. So that's the reason we have people, you know, like, you know, falling into like, you know, religious groups or falling into, you know, f you know far right organizations or joining Islamic states or things like that or people going onto the fringes of society. You know, without the ability to kind of carry themselves over and make, you know think for themselves, mm, yeah, it, 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 it's, 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 it's a cycle that keeps going, and you know people keep saying, "Well, why do these you know things keep happening?" And yet, no one sees it in front of their faces. 
Yeah, and nobody chooses to acknowledge it because they'd rather look at the statistical evidence rather than the actual physical, living, breathing, opinionated evidence of actual people. <laughs> well, the <laughs> you know, chart says. Mm, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, but again, this was this was one of the things that they they touched on last night. I mean, the main talking points were obviously about the postal service and uh, not wanting to. Um, you know, privatize uh, the postal service, not wanting to privatize the NHS, uh, saying that uh, one of the good lines of the night um, from one of the guys who was sort of head of the postal service uh, or the head of the postal service union uh, was saying, we need to make a country that is good for millions and not millionaires, uh, you know, which was very, very poignant i think and uh yeah i mean today when i've been looking at some of the the updates from the the tory party conference because like i keep forgetting that the tories are actually up here you know like yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really great point i mean uh the i tell you what though i was actually kind of surprised with my visit to the conservative conference because um i don't know if you saw the video from owen jones he actually went to the conservative conference would you believe and uh, there were a lot of actually very young conservatives actually attending like yeah. it was almost kind of like you know this kind of like you know kind of you know you know ban, you know not ban camp but you know kind of like you know this uh there were some old pe- you know tories there like, like mm-hmm. let's not let's go keep that in let's keep that in mind as well but you know there was uh there, there seem to be also quite a few young people there themselves who obviously had their own vision of aspiration and in a way you know i remember for for those who don't know if you go back there is actually a conservative i actually talked to who uh came from belfast and at one point was actually made homeless at one point but then uh, you know uh ended up being uh uh you know getting into uh, better graces and then ended up joining the conservative party because of that Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the one thing that annoyed me was, was that, you know, I spoke to, I can't really say I spoke to anyone high brass there at the, at the Tory conference. I kind of spoke to the grassroots mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it kind of made me feel that, um, you know, you listen to these young people and you think, you know, a couple of years down the line, you know, obviously, you know, the Conservative Party obviously is this, you know, Eton you know, uh, you know, Tory tough, you know, uh, Bollington, uh, boys. Uh, Bollington boys, things like that. But it makes me wonder, you know, in a couple of years time, is it going to be that? Because there's a lot of young people in that party right now who are, who are, you know, grasping for something different. And yet it makes me wonder, you know, these are the types, you know, I was talking to some of these people and these were the types of uh, young people that look like they should be, you know, uh, in that cathedral with Jeremy Corbyn. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, and yet here they are in suits wearing, you know, blue sashes and saying that they wanted to be the future of the Conservative Party. It's yeah. just, it's, it makes you well, wonder, you know, again, it goes back to what I was saying before about, uh, you know, the change in the air like but Jeremy Corbyn could possibly bring. You know, if he brings that and those young people are still the same uh, people that I talked to a couple of years down the line, it could get interesting. Mm. Well, you see, everyone has to remember that really the, the sort of the Conservatives that we all know and hate um are sort of part of the the Thatcherite Tory group you know but the, the the conservatives have not always been bastards i mean you know winston churchill probably one of the greatest conservatives that there's ever been and one of the greatest britons that there there have ever been i think it's since since uh, since thatcherism uh since this kind of wave of new politics which is 
you know, which was certainly is not unique uh, or exclusive to the Tories, because obviously we had Blair's Labour, which was in the similar vein, this idea of, well, we can, you know, we can basically run this country like a business and we can do things where we all benefit from it. And some of our investors and uh, friends overseas can benefit from it. Uh, we don't have to worry too much about the people. You know, they'll they'll take care of themselves. We'll just keep telling them that everything we're doing is for their own good and that you know they're they're all right. And hopefully they won't notice. The problem that I think again, the, one of the reasons that people have started to notice is the fact that the current the the, the majority Tory government that we've got at the moment. Like I I sometimes think you know I try and come at it from a neutral perspective. Because um, obviously, I'm very interested in what Jeremy Corbyn uh, has uh, has been saying and is doing and wants to do. Um, but you know, I wasn't aware of Jeremy Corbyn's existence until you know when he did the Channel Four interview, and then things came through, and now he's the leader of the Labour Party. And yet, he's been but, in the Labour Party for thirty years. Yeah, yeah he's so, been around uh, for a very long time, and uh, it wasn't until. Um, they decided that they wanted to give Jeremy Corbyn, you know, the uh, they they brought Jeremy Corbyn in to be the, the counterweight to what you know was on offer. And to be honest with you, I can't help thinking, you know, um, you know, obviously, I mean, well, we we can talk about this, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry to keep switching gears, but uh, I mean, obviously, Jeremy Corbyn was brought in to be an an alternative voice, and uh, obviously, you know, you got to applaud, you know, the Labour Party for doing that, but. Uh, I mean, um, he was brought in as um, you know a uh, uh, basically just to be basically be the uh, I can't thinking they actually bring him into that leadership contest as the uh, the person they wanted to use basically the the witness they wanted to impeach, which was basically you know here's this this old lefty you know uh, he's not the future he's not going to be worth anything and yeah here here's everyone else here who went into this uh, Lady Leadership election and said, you know what, he's actually worth a shot, you know, yeah. and he's actually worth listening to. And therefore, you know... And he, and he had the greatest story as well, which was the the underdog story. And everyone loves the underdog story. Sure, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly the underdog who has got, you know, he's got, he's got a bit of bite about him and uh you know i think that that has shown itself specifically uh in how he handles himself with regards to the media because i mean he even mentioned that last night it was one of the first yeah. things that he talked about was the fact that you know you you have to sort of put up with the the papers and the tittle tattle and the uh, the clever remarks but eventually people are going to listen to the political argument that you're putting forward when they've stopped acting like children, you know, and you maintain your composure. Because that's it. He's not one of those people. He's not one of those people. When we watched him on uh, Question Time, Prime Minister's Question Time, on his first appearance there, and he said, you know, I want to do things differently. I want us to focus on the politics, not on the theatrical element. And when you listen to the Tories go on and the way they sit and all look at each other and the just the, the, the fact that, that, you know, they're just there to call names and be like, oh, look at this 
look at this idiot over here. You know, a lot of the time I think, are they actually interested in politics? Do they actually know anything about politics? I agree with the fact that, uh, what was it, Johnny Rotten said that a lot of them just seem to come across as dim-witted, uneducated morons. And you look at, I mean... You, in safe seats, so, you know, obviously, you know, yeah, anyone, yeah. In a, anyone in a safe seat can, you know, even if they are a dumb, unwitted moron, it's like, you know, of course... You know, with the electoral system that we have now, that person is going to get elected. You know, yeah. even, even more so in the United States. Yeah, so you know, of absolutely. course, we're going to get these you know these these, these morons that are going to, under, our, under the electoral system that doesn't allow them to get fifty percent of the vote. You yeah. know, of course, these people are going to get elected because they've got enough you know gullible idiots to uh, basically you know um, vote for them and uh, put them into place. Yeah. And so and you know they 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 you know they don't care about the consequences of their actions as long as they got those couple of thousand people that are actually bothered to turn up to the uh, polling station. Yeah, and and I suppose as well it doesn't matter whether they're uneducated morons or not because they're not the ones that are running the show. <laughs> you know, it's their uh, investor friends who are the ones who are sort of pulling the strings behind the scenes. Uh, but even even now, like it seems that a lot more people are wising up to the fact that actually these pillocks aren't the ones we should really be worrying about. The people we should be worrying about are the ones who are giving them all this money, the ones who are trying to get their hands on, you know, the BBC and trying to get their hands on the internet and things like that. And uh, I don't know, people just seem to, it seems to be that we're almost on a sort of tipping point in terms of this could be a point where the people start to wake up and start to really see what's going on. Of course, it's not going to happen overnight. Of course, it's not going to happen over a year. It may take the whole five years from now to the election for people to start engaging because I know how difficult it is for people to engage in politics. I mean, for instance... I don't know if it's going to be a waking up. I think I think we have actually been awake for a while. I just don't think people have actually found their, their source of power yet. And I think uh, what Jeremy Corbyn has probably done has given that back. And, uh, you know, uh, so at one point, Nick Clegg did that. And I think he did it to a smaller degree to what uh, to what uh, Jeremy Corbyn did. I think the 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 leadership election, which allowed people to uh, have more of a say than the MPs and the unions combined, I think that allowed uh, a lot of people to believe, you know, we've, we've got control again. And I think that's what has... Uh, that's probably changed a lot of people's views on you know the way the way things are going, and I think uh, that that has to be something that uh, has to be has to be highlighted. But uh, I mean, obviously we've got we've gone like thirty four minutes into this. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, so we seem to be going around around the same topic. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, but- I mean, I want to talk about um, something else that uh, happened as well, and that is, did you see the the anarchists that uh, were basically spitting on people? Um, where was this? Was this at the this was a this was at the demonstration. I mean, obviously, uh, apparently, his eggs all, and stuff have been thrown and things like that. I mean, all, oh yeah, all, well, all, all there was the to... there was the eggs, there was the snipers on the roof, uh, there was the balls being thrown at Boris Johnson from the disabled protesters. Um, but no, I didn't know anything about any spitting. Yeah, I mean, well, Michael Crick was attacked, 
and a few other journalists from the Huffington Post, they were attacked as well. You know, the Huffington Post of all people. And, you know, obviously these aren't representative of the uh, of the demonstrators that were there. I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's what some people in the media were trying to portray tray this as. And obviously it didn't work because obviously people are smarter than that. But, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, obviously I uh, nearly fell foul of these people. And, you know, because at one point during the demonstration when I was walking down Oxford Street, uh, I was confronted with a group of, uh, of anarchists who had followed me down. And uh, they you know, noticed that I had a microphone because obviously I was doing the show. And so, you know, the so they gather around me and uh, I thought, you know, something's going down. And one of them basically turned around to me and basically went to me. It was like some kind of, you know, uh, I mean, I, don't, I know I don't want to be hate, I don't want to be hateful towards ginger people. But uh, he was, you know, the the gingeriest of gingers you could probably you could probably guess. And right. he he, tur- he turns around to me. He basically goes up to me and says, you know, uh, the only media is the people's media. And I, you know, so he probably thought I was like, you know, like doing it for the BBC or doing it for Sky or something like that. And uh, you know, little did he know that I was basically a guy in a uh, a pair of jeans, you know, some like running trainers and uh, you know this uh, oversized jacket. And so you know, he, I, he, I don't know how he could think that I was like, you know, part of like the mass media or something like that. And I basically just turned around to him and says, "What the fuck does that mean?" And yeah. then and you, you, you should. But the minute I said "fuck." You know, yeah. he wasn't expecting. I I saw his face and his eyes just went wide, like yeah. he like he was a deer in headlights, and he probably wasn't expecting that. He was probably expecting, you know, I was like either gonna like uh, throw him a question or uh, you know do something like kind of like PC or something like that, or do something kind of like what the mainstream media would do, uh, whatever that would be. And his eyes just went wide, and then the other anarchists who were around him, like all in masks and stuff like that, kind of turned to one another and kind of thought. The, the the only conversation I could have thought that were, they were having in their eyes and in their minds was that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And so they basically they kind of um so they they, they just kind of st- stood there kind of looking at each other kind of wondering you know what 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 do we do now? And then they yeah. kind of just walked away because mm. they must have thought well you know I I don't know what they must have been thinking but you know. Here's another thing as well, too, uh, and I don't know if any anarchists listen to this show, and quite frankly, if you do, you're wasting your time, because I don't particularly support anything that you do. But, uh, I mean, um, let me safely say this. What is to be... Ach- you know, you guys are supposedly, apparently supposed to be against, like, the establishment, quote-unquote, and, you know, the uh, the society that, that, that we are. What is to be gained by gaining, you know, by basically attacking, trying to attack somebody who basically just does a show which has probably, like, a couple of hundred people listening to it? Mm. What is yeah. to be gained from doing that? You know, obviously you want your five minutes of fame by, you know, attacking Michael Crick or attacking some of the other journalists out there, but what is to be gained from attacking citizen journalists and I, actually, I don't even count myself as a journalist you know uh you know uh, andrew you know andrew simpson and uh, you know uh, is it sorry, is it john simpson i can't remember but you know people who like go into war zones or like go go like behind enemy lines or go to north korea and all the other people who uh put their necks on the line to get a story out because you know you know someone is uh, oppressing them you know those are journalists and yeah, like you know, yeah. it's like is uh, you know, so it's so all the um, you know any anarchists out there who listens to this show. What 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 is so rebellious about attacking normal everyday people? Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't serve you know what they're supposedly uh, trying to do. I mean, um, I 
I don't know. It, it's yeah, um, exactly, I, it, exactly. It, it, I mean, imagine just... if uh, I mean, let me say if you say all this, if you. Uh, one day decided, you know, you wanted you picked up a book written by Noam Chomsky and decided, you know, oh, everything, I'm going to photograph everything in my brain from this book and put it into, and put it into my brain and say, this is what I'm, this is how I'm going to perceive life. It's like, dude, you're not an anarchist. You're just a sheep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to follow a move, well, it's the classic thing, isn't it? That in the world you have uh, sheep, shepherds and wolves and uh, the problem is if you get a sheep with a bad temper, then you get things like that happening. A lot of the time, people just come out for a fight. You know, you get a lot of these yobbos, and, you know, regardless of what anyone would think, you know, I'm sure you're likely to get divvies um, in the, you know, in the end austerity rallies that were going on on Sunday, you know, you're always bound to get some of these idiots. And, um, but I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly would think like, what, what is the, what is to be gained from, you know, having to go at people? Cause the feelings that I walked away with after I'd been was the feeling that everybody seemed to be unified. Like it doesn't seem like the environment where you would start, uh, start on people you know literally i wouldn't imagine it be somewhere where you just start on people like that yeah um, you know the, the great so. thing about what happened yesterday was that you know obviously that was the minority but obviously i wanted to get that off my chest but uh, you know the majority of people and you know there, there are stories out there different from you know from from what we've just talked about there is the uh, there is the woman who uh, lost a dear friend of hers you know because she, she, he had his benefits stopped you know, for you know, because basically he he couldn't uh, book another appointment. You know, trivial offences and stuff like that. And then you have um, you know a disabled woman who is going to face losing her home again. And mm. like you know, li- please listen to that show if you get the, you get the chance to do so. I'll see if I can put the link in the uh, in the description when uh, when this goes out. But you know, um, you you have to hear some of these stories because this isn't just a group. Of people that went out last night because you know that's where that's who they are or that's what they're ideologically about. These are real people who yeah. are suffering as a result of what is currently going on right now, and there's only certain amount of time where you can basically blame the latter for the, what's going on with these people right now. These people, well, what's happening to these people right now is happening right now, not five or ten years ago. No. It's like, you know, this is something that they need to deal with and need to deal with correctly. Not, you know, have uh, private companies going around disabled people saying, you're fit to work or you're, you know, you don't deserve that money or, you know, you do not deserve this. You do not deserve that. And yeah. like, you know, and we have, you know, strains on mental health uh, right now. Yeah, the I, I utter mean, strains on yeah, mental well, health. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this many, many times before, and yeah, I totally agree. I mean, case in point, um, again, stop me if I've mentioned this before. Uh, last time I went back to Hull, uh, my dad, who is uh, receiving, um, he's receiving money uh, from um, DWP, and um, it's because he is now classed as disabled. Um, he's he can't feel his legs. Uh, on top of that, he's got diabetes. He suffers from stress. Uh, you know, he's got a a lot of problems, including 
you know, certain mental health issues, which I won't go into detail, but he's got these problems. And uh, he was given, uh, after fighting for God knows how long, uh, he was given this mobility car because of the fact that he can't feel his feet. So basically, it's a car where you use your hands instead of your feet. Um, so it's safer. It's easier to get around. Uh, he well, so does he have like the uh, the like uh, kind of like you know, you know like in the Ferrari? So he has like kind of like the uh, the, uh, the 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 flip the flip pedals uh, instead of like the uh, um, instead of like using like instead of like using the foot pedals and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in so, like uh, you know high powered cars and stuff like that. So you know, it's like uh, you know, no, that's that's, yeah. that's 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 normal. Yeah. So, but he had to get this car. He had to get the stuff fitted, um, and then he got a letter. Uh, while I was back in Hull um, from DWP saying that they were going to be reducing um, the money that that he was entitled to under the new legislations and also they were going to be taking the car back off him. So my dad is now getting less than what he should be and is without a I'll car. i tell you what, so whoever signed off on that letter, fuck you. I mean, seriously, yeah. fuck you. How, yeah. how could you... Uh, I mean, whereabouts in your soul yeah. do you do you um, maybe have the goal to, si- to sign something like that? Yeah. It's and, like, you know, and then you have, like, I mean, this is, you know, obviously there's other stories out there as well, like, you know, severely autistic people being declared fit to work. It's like, you know, yeah. how is someone with with social problems supposed to work in a, in, supposed to f- function in an office environment? Mm. Yeah. And, and, uh, what was the, there was, um, one of the speakers last night was saying about, you know, that there were people now, basically, who, uh, disabled people who are being, made to wear you know adult nappies because they've not got enough money for people to go and you know change them or change their sheets change their bedding they've not got the funds to do that so they're putting grown people in nappies there's people washing their family there was the story of the guy that we talked about the one who was having to get washed in a paddling pool you know, it's just utterly degrading. You just think this should not be happening in a country that's supposedly in the top 10 countries in the world and it's treating its citizens like this, especially the ones who I, are you, you wonder, And people wonder why the UN is investigating. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, well, I wonder why, oh, why were they doing that? There's so much, you know, other suffering in the world. It's like, oh, look, it's being run by Saudi Arabia and Libya and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you, if you have... Saudi Arabia investigating you for human rights abuses. Mm. What? Imagine this. Oh my God! It's like you know. It's like oh, I know it in itself. That that in itself is bullshit because obviously everyone knows you know uh, you know Saudi Arabia. You know, oh, cuts off people's hands, cuts off people's heads with swords and things like that. Yeah, they they yeah. are the pinnacle of human rights, aren't they? And well, it's like, yeah, exactly. But no one does anything to them because they're our buddies, apparently. So, because uh, they have oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll I'll tell uh, you. One we'll completely more. ignore the fact that they, you know they uh, you know the nine eleven hijackers came from that country. But you know, it's Never like mind. you know, we'll just we'll yeah exactly we'll just go and invade and pillage some of these other countries. But just to uh, just to give you one more story, I mean, you know, you think it's bad enough that that's going on that that happened to my dad, but in the same week, we got a letter again from DWP uh, with regards to my late. 
great-grandmother who passed away in February. And um, she she had to have um, uh, a bed put in the house uh, because she didn't want to go into an old people's home and she didn't want to go into hospital. So they got a bed set up in her living room and uh, she was able to be looked after, treated and pass away at home with all of us there. I mean, we, her family, had to be on like a rotor of uh, someone being there with her because they, she wasn't able to have, you know, there wasn't the capacity for her to have a carer with her um all the time but regardless of that she passed away in february we got a letter through saying again from dwp oh um under the new uh you know guidelines the new rules and um the new rules that we've got in place uh it would appear that we overpaid mrs sharp with her disability benefit so we'd like some of it back so the fact is they're even going after the deceased they're going after people who have passed out of this life, who have slipped from this mortal coil. They're going after dead people's money. It's just unbelievable. It's just like it's, <laughs> you like, it's like you know, the, you know. The, I, I, yeah, I, I always heard about the death tax. I didn't think it'd actually be something that you know. Well, I, I didn't think I'd ever see where there would actually be a system which basically you know says to dis, to dead people. Sorry, you've overpaid. You're gonna to have to do something about it. It kind of reminds me of uh, that story of that uh, that girl in that school who had died, and uh, then the school had sent uh, the parents a letter, basically saying because she'd been dead for six months that she'd been suspended from school. Oh God, it's 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 yeah. Truly... Way to rub it in, everybody. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's truly uh, truly shocking. Um, however. Uh, just to kind of, for me anyway to sort of sum up um, you know the, there's a long way to go yet let us be in no doubt about that but uh, the one thing that I felt after this weekend um, was a great sense of unity the sense that I felt that a lot of people shared the same thoughts and opinions as me the fact that we all feel that we can do better and that we want better uh, and I just hope that um, that that um, that that idea carries on even after the rallies and everything finish. I hope people keep that fire burning and keep work. You know, actually get up, go out, and do something and work towards uh, the country that they want to live in. Oh uh, yeah, um, I mean, sorry, something just caught my attention. Just you know, you remember that uh, ba- uh, Baha Mustafa. Uh, that twenty-eight-year-old uh, feminist who uh, sent uh, sent a tweet saying "kill all white men." Uh, no, I didn't know about this. Oh, okay, then, uh, well, uh, basically, she she did that, and now she's being charged by the police for sending a threatening communication. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, that's that's good. <laughs> that's uh, that's um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a chance to read it all for all the way through, but uh, let me tell you something. This uh, this woman is not very nice whatsoever. So uh, I I have no you know for a woman to just tweet you know kill all white men. It's like you know I, I have no sympathy with her as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, no, there's yeah there's no need for that. Yeah, but, I'm a half white man. I have I'll have you believe. Yeah, I have Indian heritage, but you know I'm still proud of the other half of me. Yeah, uh, and uh, but I'm a I suppose I suppose and we're all humans, and you know that's not something that you want to be uh do it you know it's yeah. not it's not 
good human behaviour, regardless me, of who you are, me. what sex you are, what colour you are. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's, let's move on quickly, because yeah. I know we're going to get bogged down in this, and that is that uh, uh, the Home Secretary, Theresa May, um, I have never seen a politician get so roundly uh, dumped on by the media for the uh, speech that she gave at the uh, the Tory conference and obviously she's uh, she's obviously jostling for position because right now everyone is saying that the possibility that George Osborne is going to be the next leader of the Labour Party the person who's going to be leading the Conservative Party into 2020 that is going to be him right. and so obviously Theresa May has obviously um may have taken this in completely the wrong way and now it's uh, been described as an irresponsibly nonsense speech uh, according to uh, some uh, business leaders and others and so the Guardian's taken uh, taking this as well I believe you also uh, posted even the Telegraph is saying that this is this this is awful and so uh, so let, let me let me let's uh, get into the three points that uh, she made claims of in this speech that she gave to everybody uh, the first point is, is that uh, immigration is forcing thousands out of work uh, the second point is that mass migration leads to wage leads to we- leads to the wages of some low-paid workers uh, being undercut and the third is that and the net economic and fiscal effects of high immigration is close to zero and so, how true are these claims? Well, The Guardian gives us it here. So, let's deal with the first one, is that uh, immigration forces thousands out of work. So, there are currently 31 pe- million people employed in the UK right now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, right now, I reckon there could be more. But uh, out of these... Out of these 27.8 million uh, people, those are UK nationals, and right now only 3.1 million are actually UK nationals, and the majority of them actually have professional qualifications. So, uh, the number of UK nationals in uh, employment has increased as the economy has recovered after a financial crash. Uh, Employment levels correlate more closely with how the overall economy is doing uh, with immigration levels. If anything, thousands of people found jobs as the economy started to perform better. So, no, these aren't forcing thousands of people out out of work. In actual fact, it's actually making people find more work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I, I, when she was, uh, when she gave that particular bit of fact, um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, pretty much everything she said, I thought that it kind of almost sounded like she'd accidentally walked into the office of Nigel Farage, seen something on his desk, gone, "Oh, there's a spare speech knocking about here. I'll just use this." Although I would maintain that a lot of the stuff that UKIP said was probably done by the Tories anyway. But right. regardless, so well, let's, um, let's face yeah, it, so- UKIP is you know you know you got the, the Conservative Party represented by a tree. Uh, yeah. The 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 U, UKIP is the is the leaves that and the and the, and the the dead branch that has fallen off the tree. That's basically what your UKIP is. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we're moving on with uh, with some of this because I want to get through this pretty quickly because it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 pretty shit. This, to be honest with you, uh, mass migration leads to wages of some low-paid workers being undercut. According to a study from the local London School of Economics, there is little evidence or strong correlation uh, between changes of the UK wages of the UK-born, either all or just the less skilled and changes in the local area immigrant share over this period so that's basically bullshit yeah and uh, so and uh, the third one uh, the net economic and fiscal effects of high immigration is close to zero this is may's boldest claim where while there are benefits of selective and controlled immigration at the best the net economic and fiscal effects of high immigration is close to zero this statement is based on a report by the organization of economic cooperation development which was published in 2013 using data from 2007 to 2009 
So this this data is like almost six years old that <laughs> she's currently using, and it's like within you know you know within uh, the government's past. Mm. Um, however, the important details in the data suggest that May's pre- 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 presentation of the statistics are, are misleading. So anything that she presented obviously was not was was basically you know uh, not not true. So um, basically, the the study provides varying figures. According to this, there are significant differences in the figures once the numbers are broken down to more recent migration, and then when migration within the EU compared to migration from other countries. Let's keep this in mind as well. Uh, remember the time when Polish people came over to uh, basically do a hard day's work, you know, because uh, their economy was basically falling apart. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then basically when their economy started powering up again, they all went back. Yeah. It's like you know, so it's like you know, the, she's not taking that into account in anything that she said here. On top of that, in 2014, uh, 92.9% of those who claimed benefits, such as job seekers allowance, uh, were UK nationals, while only 2.7% were EU nationals. That's roughly half of which are from the eight member states that joined the EU since 2004. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this was even before, you know, Romania and Bulgaria came into play. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, this, uh, this whole... Uh, I think people must have, I don't know about the Conservative Party, but everyone else must have been scratching their heads wondering, what is this woman talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I, uh, immigrants yeah. to this country make a net gain to the economy, not, yeah. not the other way around. Exactly, yeah. I mean, there was, there, there was even, um, there was a couple of people who they interviewed afterwards who were coming out of, after her speech, uh, you know, fellow Tories who were completely disagreeing with what she was saying, you know, and I mean, what what does that tell you? <laughs> you know, George I mean, Osborne's going to be the next leader of the Labour Party. That's what it tells us. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, we're 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 lucky in that respect. But uh, are we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, um, yeah. It's, it's like picking uh, poison at a party at the moment. Oh, you know, it's like uh, I mean, keep in mind, wasn't George Osborne one of the part of the Bullingdon boys? Well, well? I, mean, I, I don't know, was he? Uh, I think so. I I don't know. Actually. I know Boris Johnson was. Yeah, he, and, yeah, he was definitely. Yeah, um, right. but um, nah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I just don't like the idea of of any of them, <laughs> to be okay. honest. Like, but uh, well, I'll safely say this about Mer- Theresa May in this speech. <laughs> Isn't that cute? But it's wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that that, yeah, quote, I, that I, quote will I, never I, die. We, we, we just needed, yeah, exactly. We just needed that guy to come out, do that, and then the big wooden hook to come off and just pull her off the stage before she let any more of her uh, shite <laughs> drip from her mouth. But um, yeah, I mean, they've they've all been uh, sort of chatting the shit over this uh, conference. I mean, obviously she's had that. We've had uh, Hunt saying apparently that we're going to be working like the Chinese or the Americans now. Um, we've had the the people saying, "Oh, it's a good thing that we're slashing the tax credits for people. It's actually going to help them in the long run." Which I've no, I that was George Osborne. I don't understand how he's come up with that. Well, it's going just... to help people who don't need them, but it's not <laughs> going to help people who do. It's like exactly. you know, it's. Uh, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of families uh, have had children on the basis of the fact that they'll get child tax credit. And, you know, now they, basically what uh, George Osborne has done, is basically, or what Jeremy Hunter has done, is basically pull the uh, the wool, sorry, the rug, right from under them. Mm-hmm. And now they're, you know, now they're having to explain to their kids why Christmas isn't going to be so impressive this year. 
Yeah, exactly, because these guys seem to think that you don't matter. So Yeah. But uh but yeah, it's uh it's it's kind of it's kind of almost like and particularly to, to listening to her speech today, it was just you know all, all I just think like of of when there's when we whenever we have these talks about, you know, what is Britishness, what makes us British pretty much everything that they do and they stand for could not be further from what I think it means to be truly British. And you know what I think? I think that if anybody should get out, it's them, <laughs> you know, they're the ones that should be off and away because I think we do a lot better without them. I would be, you know, more than happy to have, uh, you know, as many refugees as possible uh, as long as we could trade them for these people and Katie Hopkins, yeah. obviously. <laughs> I mean, shall we segue into something else not British while we're while we're at it? And please uh, do, yes. Okay, so uh, for those of you, I don't know if this is going to get uploaded before nine o'clock tonight, but if you, if it does, uh, BBC Three uh, nine o'clock, uh, we are going to be uh, is going to be the first of uh, uh, the BBC documentaries of We Want Our Country Back, and. Um, this is going to include uh, an organization, for those of you who don't know, called Britain First. And it is a, for those of you who don't know, it's a, the apparently, uh, quote-unquote, first patriotic political party. And it currently has about nearly one million uh, likes on uh, on Facebook right now. But to be honest with you, how many of those are, are robot accounts, do you reckon? It's like, uh, you know, so many. I, yeah, I bet but, they are. It's like, yeah. you know, this has been put together by a guy called, uh, I believe, called Roy, Roy, uh, Rob Dodson, who is a uh, anti-abortion protester and uh, some guy who's basically been stirring it up in Nor- Northern Ireland. And uh, so, but then it ended up going to this guy called Paul Golding, who uh, has basically been working, uh, basically just been working overtime on Facebook and making sure that uh, everyone, uh, basically been keeping an eye on this uh, kind of like cult, if you will, that's basically <laughs> developed online and uh, so for those of you who don't know obviously they've been so hungry for publicity on for they'll basically grab onto anything and so they ended up like you know what the BNP used to do they ended up grabbing onto BBC documentaries and which is going to be the subject of this BBC3 documentary that's going to be coming out uh, for uh, this one that says we want our country back and something strange happened you know a couple of weeks before the documentary is supposed to air Britain first, even though they were very happy to um, start with, uh, you know, producing the documentary and working with the BBC to produce this, they then backed out uh, a couple of weeks before. And then so, um, which obviously then led to, you know, a lot of people thinking, you know, well, why would they do that when they know that they're going to get so much publicity out of this? And so, you know, obviously things then start to wonder, in, at least in my mind, you know, this is like me just reading this uh, this first article, which was, uh, you know, that Britain first and first pulled out, which makes think, you know, well, they're getting free publicity out of this, so why would they pull out? And then now, uh, before tonight's documentary actually uh, goes on, this is actually was posted yesterday uh, on Britain First's uh, um, Facebook page at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They posted this uh, as a... Um, Mm. Uh, basically warning their members that this is going to be happening, even though they already knew that this documentary already existed. So they said, so this is basically what uh, Paul Golding, the leader of Britain First, uh, basically had to say. Shall I read it? Yes, yes. Okay, let's go go ahead. Okay, so uh, he basically says, um, fellow Britain First patriots, 
Unfortunately, in the UK, we have a media that is completely dominated by the left wing of politics. Yeah. <laughs> which I happily walked into without thinking, uh, uh, easy, using my brain cells to put two and two together. Which, you know, I'm sorry, I just threw that in just for, uh, just, just, just for, I, and that's not actually what he said. I actually just threw that in. But uh, uh, basically, he, okay, I'll continue on. They twist, yeah. distort, fabricate, and outright lie in order to slant every news story to fit their multicultural pro-Islam EU agenda. Britain first, and UKIP in particular, are marked out for an incessant campaign of character assassination. Wow. We always receive bad press and hostile coverage, regardless of the issue. Patriots are constantly thrashed by the left-wing media for being patriotic. Despite living in a Christian country, we are always portrayed as Bible-bashing loonies. Probably because you were started by a Bible-bashing loony. Yeah, yeah, that would usually make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, On but- Tuesday... The heavily left-wing and biased BBC will broadcast a hatchet job, quote-unquote, documentary on Britain First, which we helped make. They will throw everything but the kitchen sink at us in order to destroy our reputation. Maybe claw hammers? Sorry, UAF UAF reference there, but uh, they will try their best to make us look terrible in the public's eyes even though we do a great job of that already. <laughs> Here is what... So basically, here's the write-up of the documentary. So basically, she says, In recent months, Britain First, which is says wants to ban all traces of Islam from the UK, has emerged in the new name, you know, yada, yada, yada. Basically, it's the description of the show. And so he... Uh, and basically, he says, Film director Miles Bladen-Ryle uh, joins deputy leader Jada and uh, leader... Paul Golding, ex-BNP press officer, as they embark on the first public national campaign to garner support. Um, kind of hearing on, uh, but, but they do have uh, any hope of succeeding. Have the British public really become so intolerant that they will be get behind a party with such extreme views? Good question. Yeah. So he continues on, and uh, this is what he says. Believe in us when we say this documentary will be horrific. <laughs> only weapon the only weapons our enemies have t- is uh, have against us is lies misinformation and deceit Curses. uh i don't know why i played that one but still um the media will drag our movement through the gutter every opportunity they get unless it's fox news <laughs> this documentary quote unquote will be no different However, the good news is when the BBC broadcast their smear report last week, it led to 250 new members joining in a single day, the highest ever recorded. <laughs> Got anything to back your ass up on there, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> join Britain First, and then he basically says, you know, join Britain First today for £2 a month and you will receive a membership badge, a membership card, and a welcome letter. Because, you know, we've got to have. Money. <laughs> uh, 
I was wondering when that was going to make it appear. Ah, well, there it is. <laughs> Less than yeah. 50p a week per week is not going to break the bank, quote-unquote, and you have a duty to defend your people and your nation. Right. What is this, an army? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So basically, join up and ring today, and basically he actually leaves a number, would you believe? Uh, lines open till 8 o'clock. Right. So we could actually call them right now if we wanted to, but uh, uh, I, I, I honestly, I see thing people like that, you know, it's I don't know, they they just don't deserve any kind of uh, platform. I mean, we're we can obviously talk about it here because it's incredibly funny. Yeah, <laughs> but like, but it's, it's like uh, you know, he's like, uh, there's just so many contradictory contradictions. In yeah. in this, I mean, like, uh, you know, he talks about like the you know the multicultural pro-Islam EU agenda. It's like you know, it's uh, what the, the, you know in his mind, you know, everyone except whoever is in this tiny cult they've got of nine hundred thousand people or whatever. You know, everyone, you know, basically in his mind, the, the real world has a left-wing bias. Yeah, except for exactly. this, you know, fictional world that he's created for himself. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. world that apparently needs you know them to come and save it. Yeah, but... that he, that he believes that uh, you know the uh, the the Islamists that are within our you know uh, you know every single Muslim in this country apparently is waving around an AK forty seven and is threatening to behead their neighbour. It's like yeah. you know, it's like is this kind of uh, idiotic more you know stupidity that yeah. uh, he brings to people and that somehow people eat this up. And, you know, again, it goes back to what I was saying before. You know, I was saying before about, uh, uh, you know, our, our school system being about, you know, being professional test takers, not really molding people. You know, this is what Paul Golding's doing. He's taking people who have not yet found out who they are in life and basically, you know, decided to throw all this shit at them and basically yeah. say, you know, here you are, join our cult and, you know, pay us two pounds and, you know, I'll uh, go out and have, you know, dinner at the Ritz and, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, wonder what's going on with my two pounds and uh, be afraid of Muslims. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 the same on both sides, isn't it? You know, you you get these these people who you know might not be the most cultured or educated of people who, like you say, are trying to find out who they are and find their place in society, and unfortunately, they get roped in by these people um, who prey on you know their fears and you know, turn them into these uh, mindless, marching, bigoted drones, whether it's the Britain first, whether it's the un-Islamic hate. Uh, you know, basically any anyone who comes out on the street shouting at people for being different, whoever they are, um, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, um, you know, we could just laugh at them and ignore them. But I think, yeah, when, when they... when you know, when they when they're given airtime, you know that's that's a different kettle of fish. But I mean, you would. Well, there's this documentary that that, that we're we're going to have tonight. I mean, th there's part of me that believes there's going to be, you know, obviously with the Church of Scientology. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, we the, we we had that. You know, you have that like Lord Zenu moments when we find out. You know, oh, this is what they believe. It's yeah. like you know, there's yeah. something tells me that tonight. You know, for them to release oh. this statement yesterday, yeah, and for them to kind yeah. of panic. In, in this way 
and you know basically you know trying to basically you know play damage control with all their members that they've got within their control it's like you know for me it's kind of like um we i mean i I could be completely wrong but something tells me tonight we're going to learn something which is going to be pretty damaging to this organization because why do you think they would be doing this you know in order to basically protect what they've got yeah well of course yeah it just reeks of that it's going to be the fact that it's been sort of editorialized um you know it by by people who clearly you know despite the fact that they have to be unbiased it's clearly the fact that right okay let's 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 show these people for for who they are and of course it's going to have the xenu moment of course it's going to come out that the guy running it is you know a cross dresser or something like that or that you know they they have this weird belief at this at the center that no one's privy to or the fact that i mean like you were saying something that's going to embarrass them surely their policies and the way they behave is enough to do that without us needing a, a bbc3 documentary but still just in case we you know we were left in no doubt as to how bonkers these people are then hopefully, if anything, the silver lining we could take from this thing being broadcast is that people are going to go, yeah, they, these lot are going to vanish along with, you know, velociraptors. Yeah. So. Did you know what's funny about them? The fact is that they claim to be like this, you know, this Christian party, yet they uh, want to they basically hang and kill traitors, quote-unquote. So it's like, you know, yeah. whatever happens to thou shalt not kill. Yeah, of course. Like all of the all of these religious bigots on you know, from all religious sides who go around saying that they're gonna do these things, it, it just completely goes against what religion is supposed to stand for. Not yeah. the you know, and and certainly not I'm I, I'm not saying that all religions are peaceful because, you know, they have got their shady sides in them, but they all as far as I've read, uh, go under the premise that if there is a God, um that the God is the one who should do the judgment. So a God doesn't need you to go out on the street threatening people and saying that you're going to execute them or behead them or do anything like that. that. It's, 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 just, it's just like, you know, you've got this, uh, you've got this group of people saying that, you know, oh, we're under the threat of Sharia law. And it's like, you know, let's, in, let's put in our own version of Sharia law before they have the chance to put in their Sharia law. It's like, that's basically their argument. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to put us into a barbaric state because we're going to get our barbaric state in before you can. We're going to go back to the days of uh, you, know, you have to uh, basically trade. Uh, uh, you can trade your daughter for uh, a goat and a pig or whatever uh, yeah. in order to uh, basically get, get her married yeah. off. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, um, back to the days of, you know, jou- you know uh, having duels instead of basically, you know, relying on the courts to uh, settle, you know, differences. Yeah, like, yeah exactly yeah. yeah i mean it's I, whenever i hear of these things whether it's whether it's these guys going around you know intimidating people whether it's the um the the sort of the evil islamic preachers uh you know any of those people who go out and start spouting their shit um i i i kind of <laughs> I, I i always love to fantasize about the idea of uh, obviously, Carl Pilkington had bullshit, man. 
who would appear whenever anyone spoke bullshit. I would love there to be a kind of shut the fuck up man who whenever these people <laughs> open their mouth, he just appears, slaps them in the face and says, shut the fuck up and then disappears. Even No matter how many times they try and utter it, he just comes along and slaps them. In yeah. an ideal world, that's what we'd have. But unfortunately for the moment, we just have to use our you know critical faculties and uh, just ignore these people uh, and view them for the the idiots that they are and hopefully as i say this bbc documentary might leave us in no doubt as to how idiotic they are yeah, yeah. and I, I just want to know you know again it's like you know they, they've they've been trying to i think they've been trying to do this in order to um basically basically play damage control with all of all the their actions that they've done so far so then he tells me it's like that's not going to de- deter me from watching this documentary tonight i'm gonna to be watching you know mm-hmm. no, no no doubt no doubt that about in my mind so uh uh-huh. yeah um let's uh move on from this um let's talk about uh, oh yeah um, have you heard about uh, uh chris evans uh, uh well i last i heard he was lined up to be the new presenter on top gear yeah uh, Interest- then- interestingly enough he's actually decided he might actually go solo for the top gear job so he might not actually bring in any co-hosts uh, like uh, you know because before you had like your jeremy clarkson richard hammond and james may fronting yeah. the show he apparently might actually front the show himself and right. uh, not have well, any any co-hosts with him at all that doesn't surprise me that sounds very much like something chris evans would do <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um because i i did hear that the the other three were going off to do um i don't know whether it was on sky or whether it was on netflix or online or something amazon prime grabs the contracts for them to do a show which you know makes me wonder um this is gonna be i mean i don't know the, the, there is a feel of like uh, do you remember when bt decided he wanted to buy premier league and champions league games for the football and yeah, you know yeah. they they started their own bbc sport things and people were like saying oh this is not gonna this is not gonna work you know but surprisingly it worked so yeah. you know i think amazon might have grabbed something here and are trying to create something out of it and uh, dare i say maybe it might be and you also keep in mind you know amazon right now have been hammering hammering uh amazon uh customers to get onto their amazon prime uh subscriptions so something yep. tells me that uh, they are going to try their damnedest to uh, get, make this jeremy clarkson uh richard hammond james may talk well you know car show work that's basically what that's basically what it is right now is the jeremy clarkson richard hammond james may car show uh right now there's a there's a talk about calling it gear, gear knobs or whatever but uh um right now um they don't have a right now they have richard they have richard hammond they have jeremy clarkson they have james may the only thing they don't have is a title for the show and what they're going to be doing on the show how it's going to get distributed and how many people are going to watch it they're, they're, those are the things that are out there at the moment which probably people don't know about mm. well um yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see i mean i, th- I you know he's been uh, a solo radio presenter for many years obviously he's had a few of his game shows he was on the big breakfast although obviously he had different uh there were di- a, a variety of presenters there uh but yeah i mean he could do it he's got you know i'm sure his his ego would be able to handle the the stress of the solo presenting position but um but i mean if he's a petrol head which i think he is like you know i i would imagine he'll be fine with it but yeah. um 
Apparently, yeah, well, I'm just looking at this now. Apparently, the uh, the first airing of the episodes will be May 2016. So uh, we've got a while to go yet until we actually see if uh, what he brings to the table is uh, actually going to be any good or not. So uh, actually, also uh, this is a problem though because um, for me, um, if you are going to hold off, like, if you're going to put a show on hiatus for a, a good long while, and then that gives oxygen to other shows. To, uh, to 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 make their to get their foots in. Obviously, we've seen like you know uh, Bake Off, and uh, you know we've seen uh, um, you know Master Chef and things like that. And uh, you know, and obviously we've seen other shows um, also going to be they're going to be making their grind uh, in the next yeah. couple of months. You know, there's part you know are people really if they if something really takes off and it just happens at the time when Top Gear returns, it's like it's. Mm. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'll say. It. I'll safely say that. I mean, I'm not sure if it's uh, going to turn heads or not. I'm not too sure, but because uh, it's obviously it's the uh, it's something that we're basically long anticipating, and uh, I'm not sure how long that anticipation buzz will keep going. So, yeah. Well, uh, well, his uh, his um, hoping for mm-hmm. the. Uh, blah, 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 I'll start that again. He's <laughs> hoping that the program, uh, whatever they decide to do, uh, will be a good one. Uh, Okay. Um, uh, we spoke about this uh, on the last show, but uh, Nickelodeon's The Splat. I mean, is this something you uh, are intrigued by, or uh, something you're interested in uh, in uh, thinking might go go further, or something you're intrigued by? The um, just remind me again. Okay, basically, Nickelodeon is doing The Splat. It is going to be an eight-hour uh, block of programming, which uh, goes back to the '90s nostalgia. Ah yes, yes, um, yeah. I am still very much interested in that. Again, we've we've spoken many, many times about this one um, and about having, you know, how how good it would be um, for you know the the retro viewers uh, and for new audiences as well to experience the things uh, that we did when we were their age, um, you know, and the quality of programming, the quality of these particular programs was, um, from what I can remember. Pretty good, so yeah, I was all for the uh, the idea. So, um, so where where do we stand with it now, Alan? Okay, so it ended last night. I mean, obviously, we're not going to get uh, ratings uh, news until very 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 later on in the in the week. But uh, I can definitely tell you this: the uh, the plans that Nickelodeon currently have right now is going to be a rotating TV lineup, so of both animated and live action series. So. Shall I? Uh, I'll I'll go through them again if you want, and I'll want to get your reaction to. I know uh, Josh has already given reactions to them, but do you want to go through it yourself and see what you think? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay then. Uh, the first one is all that. Okay. Uh, the next one is Angry Beavers. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Oh, now that was a good one. That yeah. was one that I used to love as a kid it did scare me particularly the laughing in the dark episode i remember that one i remember I, do you remember the one where the the there was this, like this kid who was like met this other group of kids and it found out he they're trying to get them to go try and get him to go into this house and then they found out that all these kids were dead yes yeah it was the harmonica episode yeah it was the old man who uh, had the harmonica and for the whole episode they thought that he was sort of the ghostly character um yeah and they were playing hide and seek weren't they in like a graveyard and they were saying oh you need to hide in you know pick a grave and hide in it it's perfect no one will find you in here and then at the very end the old man appears they give him his harmonica back and they're saying oh you know we were just playing hide and seek with these guys and he says oh no that's not funny 
all of those kids are dead and buried. I dug the graves myself. And it cuts back to that shot of the graveyard and all the kids there. And then he says, oh, you look like you've seen a ghost. Yeah, yeah I do remember geez. that episode. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was an episode. And if I see that again, it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring back memories. I'll definitely yeah. say that. There's not, there's, not, there's not as many scary kids, uh, scary programs for kids now, are there? Like, I remember no. Are You Afraid of the Dark was on every Saturday morning. And, you know, and some of the morning. stories were, were pretty scary, like Goosebumps yeah. as well. I mean, they're, they're, Goosebumps, was, movie Goosebumps was actually, you know, I, I just, I got to be honest with you, I despise the Fox Kids lineup, but I will have to admit, Goosebumps was something that actually did. Uh, uh, they did make heads turn, and uh, you know maybe I think uh, what was it? It was uh, it was goosebumps. It was Oggy and the cockroaches, and uh, I think uh, oh, what else was there? There was a few other things, but uh, you know when uh, Fox Kids was doing like you know very racially you know insensitive cartoons and uh, others that you could find, probably find questionable. I think yeah, sure. that was uh, that you know obviously you know if uh, Fox Kids was basically Fox News's little kid who uh, obviously did not have a good upbringing. So uh, yeah, I'm very absolutely. glad that I'm very glad that kid got adopted and ended up becoming Disney XD. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's look at the other one. So Cat Dog. Yeah, everyone remembers Cat Dog. I gotta be honest with you, that was one that kind of like passed me by. Really, I mean, it's like I didn't. Re- I remember Winslow, the the little mouse. I did say that on the last show, but uh, I mean, that's all I can really remember from from that show. Uh, Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, I do remember that one. Melissa uh, Jones Hart's first uh, venture into uh, into mainstream uh, kids television. So, and that was before she became. Um... Sabrina, wasn't Sabrina it? the Teenage Witch, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I remember from that show is I always remember the the guy who used to come around. He used to get into her bedroom by using a ladder um, to climb up and yeah. come in. It was very, uh, <laughs> very suggestive, very, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. Yeah, it makes you wonder what happened in later life. Yeah. Um, was... Next one is uh, need no introduction. Hey Arnold. Ah, uh, of course. Our uh, our one of our main talking points throughout the year. <laughs> yeah, actually, one thing while we're on, hey Arnold, is that uh, you know I just want to say that me and Craig right now, I know people are like looking at being messaging me asking me, you know, when are we going to do the anniversary show for the Hey Arnold uh, show? And right now, me and Craig are talking about it, but when we're going to do it, we're still deciding because uh, right now, as you can probably imagine, with everything going on at Nickelodeon right now, he's a massively busy guy. He just launched an incident. He did, just did an international launch of one of his shows in Cannes. Uh, this this uh, the, uh, just a couple of days ago. So you should probably imagine he's 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 tired out. I'm tired out. So you know, it's like give us time. We'll we'll try and see if we can organize something, and we'll let you know in the near future. So uh, you know, yeah. just give just give us time. Maybe something will happen later this month. I don't know. So just give us cool. time. Um, next one is a show called Hey Dude. I don't know that one. I don't know that one either, so we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> people are gonna be very angry at us on doing some yeah. of these shows. Uh, next one is Keenan and Kel. Brilliant, love it. Me and my sister, one of our favourite shows, uh, genuinely used to give us belly laughs. And uh, I think they were on, were they on the Jimmy Kimmel show? They were recently, yeah. So they did the Good Burger sketch, which uh, was uh, what part of all that. Yeah, uh, brilliant film, loved that film. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mind you. Good burger. Yeah. Good burger was was interesting. I think. I think uh, some people are actually questioning whether it's actually going to be a cult classic in later later life or not. You know, kind of like you know, Showgirls and uh, oh, what are the uh, you know like uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know yeah, those yeah. show. You know those movies that uh, not everyone were really into, but do have their cult followings. And sure, yeah. uh, you know whether that will be there in later life, I'm not too sure. So uh, people are debating that at the moment. So. Uh, It'll be interesting if it was on the on the uh, on the good side of the divide. I'm not too sure. Yeah. <laughs> Next one is Ren and Stimpy. Yep, 
brilliant. Love that one. It was. Uh... Do you know what would be funny? Uh, imagine you know they did Ren and Stimpy for the kids, and then they did the other one for the adults, which was the adult party cartoons. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine they did the adult party cartoons in the splat? Wow. They probably <laughs> wouldn't do it, but I imagine if they did. He's oh. like, I keep in mind they would get away with it because you know, keep in mind it's the it's the what it's the twenty it's the twenty to thirty year old demographic that they're aiming this at. Yeah. So of course Absolutely. you know why why not? It's like you know it's yeah. not like it's not like they're not mature for it now. It's like you know yeah. so. Uh, okay. Uh, next one is uh, Legend of the Hidden Temple. Uh, don't know that one. I don't know one either. Uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I used to lo- <clears throat> love the theme tune for uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, but I, I remember it, that that had some uh, had some little hidden jokes in there for the grown ups. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to go back and have a look. But I mean, like the fact that there's the thing on the wall that's the number for a sex line. There's the thing of uh, Rocco being seduced by uh, the next door neighbor's Mrs. Bankhead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's some pretty. Uh-huh. Uh, Pretty weird stuff that they managed to get past the censors. Did but, you remember uh, the there was the I remember, the one episode that sticks out in my mind is when Mister Bighead gets promoted and then he he ends up just basically working his way up the company by the use of like a magic meatball, and right. uh, then he ends up like uh, going crazy as he goes to the top, and then he ends up getting like uh, fired, and then he ends up having to like go to like uh, uh, like a uh, uh, say saying in front of people like you know uh, I'm Ed Bighead and I have a meatball problem. And right. it, you know, he's like like a meat like like a meatball uh, version of Alcoholics Anonymous. So yeah, uh, that, yeah. that was yeah. that was something so. crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, next one is Rugrats. Brilliant. Yeah, love Rugrats. And uh, were they not in talk recently about uh, revamping the Rugrats? There was, and uh, but mind you, um, I don't know what you know. Where else can you go with the Rugrats? I mean, like you know, what haven't they? they done i mean they you know when the rugrats movie first came out though obviously you know some were saying you know oh well they've gone out the house now they had this massive adventure where else could they go so then they in the next movie they took them to paris which you know he's like okay you've taken them overseas now what else can you do then they went overboard gave uh, bruce willis the voice of spike and basically did rugrats gone wild uh, which was a tie-in with uh, the wild thornberries which you thought okay then you can't go any further than this and then they kind of hit the uh, they kind of hit the um, the pinnacle, I guess, when they went all grown up and uh, then uh, tried to do some other spin-offs with it, and it just kind of lost. It kind of did lose its steam, and I'm just wondering now how are they, if they do end up bringing back the Rugrats alongside Hey Arnold, what are they going to do with it? Because uh, it's um, again, I'm not too sure. I mean, because the Nickelodeon are going to have to surprise me at this point because right now I feel like I've seen everything that could be done with the Rugrats done with the Rugrats. It's kind of like you know the Simpsons now. Uh, where, you know, a lot of the new episodes now are rubbing people the wrong, the wrong way. And it's also kind of like uh, not... Um, it's basically it's uh, doing detriment, really, to what had passed before yeah. with The Simpsons. And now um, there's part of me that believes if The Rugrats does come back, we are going to get a mix of probably those episodes we do like and those episodes we don't. So yeah. it's like, I'm not too sure. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, next show is Salute Your Shorts. Uh, not too sure on that one. You know what? That was the show that starred the kid. Uh, do you remember Terminator Two: Judgment Day? Yeah, yeah. And I've said, I know, I've said this before, but it stars the kid who, you know, the kid who's like friends with John Connor in like the first fifteen minutes of the. Oh uh, yeah, the one yeah, with the mullet. Yeah, that's yeah. Hi- that's him who stars in that. Right, I see. Yeah, and uh, the final one is the Wild Thornberries. Brilliant. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. love that one too. Yeah, I tell uh, you what, I'm going to be honest with you. I've only ever seen part of the Wild Thornberries movie, and I've actually been told it's supposed to be good. Yeah, I remember it. It is yeah. good. It's definitely worth a watch. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll definitely. If I've seen that for like three pounds on Amazon, so I'll definitely pick it up if I can. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So some of the themes that they're currently going with, they're going to like do like themes and stunts and stuff. So basically, they're going to be doing like first time for everything, which uh, starts, uh, which is going to be, which was yesterday's. Uh, uh, theme so it featured two episodes with like animated live action series and game shows also there was Rugrats Reptile Takeover which began as like begins on the 12th and highlights episodes uh, featuring uh, Dino Uber Toy Reptile uh, Hey Arnold Live from the Stoop which mm-hmm. is going to be on uh, October 19th uh, which features just uh, stupid centric episodes and uh, Nick or Tweet Treat is going to be uh, which on October 26th which is going to be a call-in event for fans looking to score swag with Hall- which, which uh, Halloween themed cartoons uh, social media outreach campaign across Facebook will also be on Instagram Pinterest uh, Tumblr Twitter Vine YouTube which also offers a chance, fans, chance to influence the on-air and online experience uh, Nickelodeon have, are going to do. Uh, this includes the Splat Emoji Keyboard, uh, which, which launches early on October for iTunes and Android and contains over 50, 30 uh, Nick, Nickelodeon emo, emo icons, uh, stickers, GIFs from Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, Hey Arnold and others. Uh, indeed, within its own social media like social media landscape, uh, where the clamour for Nickelodeon's past glory has gone viral, uh, which in turn has compelled the uh, sagging network to give birth to this new uh, block of a spin-off channel. It's usually aimed at uh, kids and tweens. Uh, to be frank, Nickelodeon, now 36 years old and ageing fast, could use a retro boost. So yeah. that's what this... And uh, with the demise of Avatar The Last Ender and The Legend of Korra, Nickelodeon has arguably struggled to create original shows as memorable as unique as Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, and The Wild Thornberries, which, to be honest with you, is very true. And actually, also on top of that, I think they're actually thinking of also bringing back Avatar The Last Airbender back for a couple more seasons. Cool. So that I've been told about. So I don't know whether they're actually going to go forward with that or not. I'm not too sure. But uh, yeah, with so, that, I think we're done. Fantastic. Well, I think we've talked. Uh, we've talked a lot, haven't we? Um, yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see where we uh, where we pick up next week. I'm actually um, amazed we did a midweek show because you, well, how long have I been talking about doing this now? About yeah. so, you know doing shows midweek, and uh, now yeah. we finally got around to doing it. So yeah, and yeah, exactly. Circumstances sort of forced us into this, but um, yeah, I mean it. it uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what we're, sort of what we can talk about next week. But um, but yeah, pleasure as always, Aaron. Pleasure as always, Harry. And yeah, I'll catch you later, man. Yeah, you have a good night, buddy. Yeah, you too. Cheers, Harry. Good night. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's uh, the Aaron Meta show for tonight, and uh, I want to thank you very much for listening. Uh, whether we're going to, I mean, in regards to midweek shows, we, we, I try and see if I can try and do them from time to time. I mean, obviously, there's, uh, you know, it does take a lot of time to make these shows. I mean, there's like uh, about an hour or so that goes into production before, you know, obviously we start recording and things like that, and uh, obviously there's all of the stuff we have to think about as well, so... You know, if it ends up just being a weekender thing, then obviously you can understand. And also on top of that, we do do stuff on the weekend, you know, which uh, so obviously stuff happens on the weekend, whether Harry has to go off and do something or whether, you know, because obviously he's very busy with the acting career and things like that, whether I have to go do something because obviously, you know, something family related has come up and I have to get on with that. Obviously, we can't keep doing the show. Obviously, we can't. There's times where we, may, where we can do the show, and then there's times we can't do the show. So hopefully you can understand that. So just because something doesn't appear at a particular time, don't assume the show's just gone. You know, obviously we we're still here and everything like that. So as long as the RSS feed's still up, and obviously with Mixcloud still up as well, that's where we're always going to be. So 
Okay, thank you very much for checking out the show. Uh, we will be back on the weekend, and so definitely interested to see what we talk about that time. And uh, yeah, and as always, uh, have a good day, have a good, enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for checking out the show. Catch you later, guys. Bye bye.